and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. And I'm Daryl Etherington. And our co-host Jordan Crook could not be here this week because she is busy preparing for Disrupt. I'm sure she would want us to remind you all that Disrupt is coming up very soon, September 14th to 18th. But in the meantime, we're going to do what we always do, which is review something new on Netflix or some other streaming service. Also talk about the streaming news. I think the news that Daryl and I, at least, were the most excited about this week was the fact that The Three-Body Problem, which is a novel by Shishin Liu and also a trilogy of science fiction novels, is going to be adapted into a series by Netflix, specifically by David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, who are the showrunners of Game of Thrones, and Alexander Wu, who's the showrunner of The Terror Infamy. What did you make of the news, Daryl? Well, I was excited that that was going to be made into something initially my initial thing was just oh that's cool that's a great i love that book i love that series and then after thinking about it well first then i saw the benny and weiss and i was like oh wait a minute and then <laughs> so that was another immediate reaction and then after thinking about it more it's like also will this make a good tv show i don't know it's similar to kind of some of my reservations about the foundation series that's being made because mm-hmm. it's like this seems like a very challenging thing to make into compelling tv without totally changing it right yeah it's funny because um in this is a tiny tiny spoiler for the second book of um actually i'm not gonna i'll, I'll keep it vague but but the foundation the foundation books do actually appear in the dark forest book uh, right. which is the second book in a very very strange way which i don't want to give away because it's too crazy to um to spoil and i think but people should should check out the books for sure i think the books are not perfect and and in fact there are large stretches of them that are genuinely terrible but there are also parts of it that are just some of the most amazing science fiction i've ever read yeah and and i agree that like both both series foundation and three body problem feel like they are not particularly interested in the things that most movies and TV shows are interested in, like memorable characters, or even just keeping the same characters throughout the story, because they, in each book, it, it gets handed off, um, and a lot of times the characters really just stand-ins to, to find out, to explore ideas, or... Uh, I yeah. mean, that's not always true. There are some interesting characters in the book, but there are plenty of people who are just sort of stock characters, too. Yeah, that's and also like a lot of the action isn't action. Like it's like intellectual problem solving uh, and kind of like theoretical physics or whatever. So it's like very. <laughs> it's like how do you dramatize that, right? Like the what I liked about those books, and maybe this is a um, deficiency on my part. Like maybe I just had not read that much of this genre going into it, but that is that they were, they, they were my first exposure to that kind of like real hard science fiction, uh, uh, genre. So I really like that about them. I guess, I guess, I guess I could count, um, what's the Mars one that kind of oh, counts. Red Mars, uh, green no, Mars, no. Mars. Oh, the, oh the one, uh, the Martian. Yeah. The Martian. I guess you could yeah. sort of count the, the Martian in that category. So that was technically my first, but this one was, far more compelling to me and far more interesting but um yeah i just it's just like it's kind of like i i haven't watched this yet so i'm hesitant to say this but like a lot of the criticism i've seen of brave new world is that it lost a lot of the subtlety of the book right um in in its efforts to try to make it a more compelling uh and entertaining piece of like filmic content right like video content so like they basically had to simplify a lot of stuff, right? And I've and I, in this, I don't even know what you'd be left with, except for like the very broad strokes of like, there are aliens and there's, <laughs> they don't, they're coming for humans, like you know, like I, I don't know if it becomes Independence Day, that'll be. Mm-hmm. I mean, Independence Day is good, but it'll be a very different thing. <laughs> I mean, I think there's some things you can get rid of, just in the sense that you don't have to have as many long conversations about yeah. the physics and things like that. And I think that is totally fine. What I do think is harder to adapt is this core element of the premise, which is that um, the there are these there's these aliens who have 
basically discovered the existence of humanity and it becomes clear in the course of the first book that they do not mean us well and they are on their way to invade our planet but because this is a hard science fiction novel that acknowledges the fact that you can't go faster than the speed of light and in fact most space travel for the foreseeable future will probably be much much slower than the speed of light it's actually mm -hmm. going to take them hundreds of years to get here and so by that reason um you know the, it's going to have a very weird plot because how do you cover yeah. hundreds of years in a show? Although I will say that actually the books do have a, a kind of a good solution because um, people can go into hibernation and so you can actually still have. Yeah, the they same sort of cast. fast forward. It is weird because it does have this like there's tension, but the tension is extremely attenuated and drawn out, <laughs> right? So it's and it's right. even a, it's even part of the plot that that's the case, right? So mm -hmm. I'm, yeah, I it could be it could be amazing depending. I I just. Uh, it's also hard to trust Benioff and Weiss with anything, but they're, it, they're such a strange duo because, like, so universally respected <laughs> up until basically. Well, I mean, they, it's it's sort of eroded over time, but really, the last season of Game of Thrones mm -hmm. just decimated their credibility, at least with fans, right? So, like, mm -hmm. it's yeah, it's weird. Uh, maybe they could they could be good at making stuff still it's it's not fair to <laughs> yeah and and you know i don't know that anyone actually needs to do this but if you want to see the evolution of how we thought about game of thrones and benioff and weiss we did record a, an episode for every single uh episode of the final season of game of thrones but i would say that as time has gone on it's become clearer and clearer to me how bad those last few episodes are but at the same time i think it is worth remembering that that show is insanely popular for a reason. And I mean, to be fair, yeah. a lot of that has to do with George R. R. Martin and, and the story and characters he came up with. But I think a lot of that also has to do with in the early seasons, they did a really good job of figuring out how to translate these really big, messy books into a pretty well-constructed TV show. Yep, that's and true. And my feeling is that they ran into trouble when they hit a point where there was... They ran um, out of material, source material. They ran out of material. And, and all they had was probably a set of markers that George R. R. Martin had given them. Like, this happens, and then later on this happens, and later on this happens. And they had to fill it in themselves. And they came up with, like, these really fun moments that didn't string together into a coherent story. Yeah. And so I would be worried about that happening here. But um, I think Yeah, they like do. They have the full thing, though, right? So maybe that will help them. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But I... And, I mean, there's all kinds of other reasons this is very interesting. Like, one is that the... It does have a very strong pro-Chinese bent, which I think you would anticipate, but it, and also a pretty like anti-American undercurrent, like in its original. So it's it's one of those things where you're like, oh, are they going to keep all that stuff in here? Right? <laughs> no, but they won't. <laughs> what, they, what you're going to do is it's going to they're going to try to make it inoffensive to everyone. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially, is that because yeah. I think probably part of the reason they're making the show and, and will probably spend feel comfortable spending a lot of money on this show is because they're going to hope that it does really well in both the u.s and china and right. around the world um, yeah and i will say I, wa I watched the i think it was available on netflix but it was one of his other stories uh the wandering earth yes the wandering earth and I, I actually really found that super entertaining the the movie version of it, it and it was like you know, it, it was much more traditional, like action driven sci fi, but uh, it was still super entertaining. I think that's kind of like the appeal of his stuff for, for movies, for people that are optioning these, for producers. Because it's like, if you just take the, the sketch, if I just describe yeah. to you what happens in very simple terms, it's like, that sounds like a great blockbuster uh, movie, right? And then he fills it in with all the intellectual stuff and the theory and the hard science backgrounds uh which again sometimes to his credit sometimes not um but yeah it's uh if you you could you could go many ways but it would be a shame if they just like reduce it to something kind of like simple which again i don't think it's fair to say that they uh, to assume that they will do that given what they did with george r, r. martin's similarly messy uh books at the start yeah um i think one other thing that's worth mentioning is apparently there's an animated film in the works in China, or so th oh. this won't be the only, you know, uh, audio visual adaptation of 
the three body problem. I actually didn't even know that was the case, but some people were tweeting at me after uh, I published a story about it. Hmm. And um, there, yeah, I think this is one of those titles that a lot of people have been trying to to make this work for a while. Apparently, Amazon a couple years ago was in talks to make the show, and I think every, it seems like everyone in Hollywood kind of sees this as maybe the uh, the next Game of Thrones or what have you, which is why uh, <laughs> they got yeah. the Game of Thrones guys to make it. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it shares a lot of similarities, right? Like, has massive appeal with its own uh, sort of niche core audience, and has a lot of elements that that have done well with more traditional properties too right like game of thrones was like okay like we know people like lord of the rings but also all these super nerds love all this like politics and intrigue and the additional layer that he's put into it and this is like we know alien and future and time travel do good or whatever and yeah everybody who loves this loves this in a, like people have very strong opinions about it i think there are some people who on balance, most people I talk to about it or recommend it to do enjoy it and love it, but uh, there are people who don't like it and they really, really don't like it, right? So, including yeah. I think our editor in chief Matthew Panzerino, who seemed yeah, he seemed uh, I don't know if we're blowing up his spot, but he was not. <laughs> he didn't think they were great books. I think that's <laughs> safe to say. Yeah, yeah. I think Burns also the other Matt um, was kind of. I think he like just gave up partway through one of the books, but I forget which one. But, yeah. yeah, I will say that if you are trying to read the books, the second one is the best, but it is also, I think the translator is maybe not quite as good. And there's also just this stretch at the beginning that's really hard to get through because the main plot hasn't really kind of kicked into motion yet. So it gets into these weird side alleys with this guy like trying to create his fantasy woman. And just know you got to get through all that. Get about 100 pages in and then it is the most compelling and exciting novel that I've read in years. Yeah. Um, All right, let's move on to Teenage Bounty Hunters, a series on Netflix. And I had seen people talking about this, and it seemed like it was getting some good buzz. But Daryl, you were the one who checked it out first and recommended that we review it. So what interested you about it? Well, I thought the the title was just... Like, I think it had the desired effect on me. It was like, what? This is sounds absurd. <laughs> just sounds like they title. randomly like just picked three words and then put them together or whatever, right? So I, I didn't know almost anything about it beyond that. And I kept being like, oh, well, like this, maybe this will be interesting. And I read the description, and that sounded good, too. And I was trying to, like, convince Tara to watch it, and she was like, I don't want to watch this at all. And then so finally I just put it on one day. And she was like, wait, what is this? This is really good. And I was like, it is really good. It's way better than <laughs> I thought it was going to be also. Uh, and so we were hooked from there. I will say as a, in an overall kind of like, I think it's lumpier than I initially guessed from my first viewing. But uh, on the whole, I, I still did really enjoy it, especially at the start. So... There are really teenage bounty hunters in the show. And yes. The, the way it opens is there are these two fraternal twin sisters who are coming home from uh, a date. And uh, for complicated plot reasons, basically, they end up in a situation where they meet a bounty hunter and kind of get... They need money. It seems like they have some skills. And so they become his interns in his bounty hunting business. Yeah. And so the show kind of... Each episode usually has a bounty hunting plot and then a plot that's more about what's going on in their lives. Yeah. Um, And so I I went into it kind of similar to you, where I didn't really know what to expect. I assumed that with a title like Teenage Bounty Hunters, it wasn't going to be entirely serious, and that was accurate. Right. But I, I think the first episode I wasn't totally crazy about. It took me a while to get into it. But by the second episode, I, I really liked it and found it really fun and funny and the characters to be really interesting. I mean, I, I think it is ultimately a comedy, but it is a comedy with characters who are relatable and have, you know, arcs and, and, and recognizable emotions. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it does, an, it does a really good job of... Uh, it's, it's, it kind of reminds me of, like, the era of... Uh, prestige tv comedies like weeds and like Mm -hmm. 
Dexter and like all of those, right? Like and all those shows that I've never watched. Yeah, I and I I watched Weeds until it became just tiring to do so. But I uh, Dexter, I didn't really watch. I watched a couple of them, but like. The thing where it's like a dark comedy, but it's funny. But like what I liked about this one is that it never really descends that far into the darkness or the seriousness of it. Like it's not that they don't deal with serious issues. And I think they do in a really nice, genuine way. But they do it. It it still feels, yeah, like primarily like a comedy. But one that's like just believable enough to like keep you into the in, in the fiction and the world of it. And um and that yeah like has some like really good touching genuinely touching moments between people so yeah it was it was not what i was expecting i thought it was going to be i don't know either way, way more over the top or like just way less substantial or something like that but it was yeah it just struck a really nice balance i thought um you also brought up the fact that it's so it's set in atlanta Mm-hmm. And one, I mean, I would say that one of the things I've noticed, so I've seen five episodes so far, halfway through the season, is that it seems like the first couple episodes have a lot more broad kind of cultural comedy about like what it's like for these girls to go to this very religious school and, you know, just the fact that like everyone's packing guns and yeah. um, then as the show goes on, that doesn't never really goes away, but I feel like it moves a little bit more into the background and the comedy comes more out of the, the characters and the situations. Um, but did you like it seemed like you found the, the setting pretty fascinating? Yeah, I did. I mean, it, it seems like it's like a I guess it's a depiction of like a typical Southern upbringing and like a, a relatively religious community and school. Right. But like. Uh, yeah, and like definitely right leaning. Like I wouldn't say it's like the modern Republican camp, which has gone into absurdity, right? This is this is more like what my understanding of like what a moderate Republican sort of like lifestyle would be like, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I definitely found it interesting just because like it's not. I don't think it's like the typically depicted uh, milieu for a lot of these like this style of content, and and they. To, to your point, like they bring it up as a thing to poke fun at at times, but it's also like established clearly pretty early on. Like we're not going to, we're not going to say this is absurd or like wrong in any strong way. We're just going to say like, this is a way that some people grow up and it has its advantages and disadvantages, but they're also not going to like, I think when I see something like this, my inclination is to believe that like the, the showrunner or whatever is going to like have this thing where they, the people end up rebelling massively and becoming like far left caricatures or whatever that that doesn't really happen in this. Like there are definitely things that happen and change, but they don't throw out the entire uh, culture and lifestyle and community as a result of it. Right. Like it's not made into a, a totally farcical caricature of itself, even though there are exaggerated moments. Right. Yeah. I mean that it also, as you talk about some of those, the way it treats the characters in the settings, it also, like, as a contrast, makes me think of our still our most popular episode, our review of Insatiable, oh, which right, yeah. is a show where they, if, if you go back, you will discover that Daryl and I did not like the show, although we haven't, to be fair, we only saw the first few episodes, but we hated every second of it. Um, and one of the things about that show is, I think, it makes the characters very broad at the beginning, and then it tries to humanize them later on in a way that just felt very inorganic. And at, a, at that point, you were like, no, I feel nothing. All these characters are terrible people. Well, actually, I don't even believe that they're people at all. So yeah, yeah. why should I care about this you know, emotional arc that you're trying to make me feel right now? Whereas this, it's interesting because I think it follows in some ways a similar trajectory of at first, especially characters who aren't the, the main the two girls, um, pretty much everyone else, I think, initially is introduced comedically. Mm-hmm. And then over time, you get to know them better as more than just a punchline, um, particularly the bounty hunter Bowser and their mom. Um, but it feels much more organic. I do think. I guess it's just down to the fact that the writing and the acting are better on this show. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is that. Because I think... Yeah, I think they do... <sighs> And, you know, as I'm thinking about it, like some of them just remain like, you know, whatever, pretty broad stereotypes. But like, 
I think the ones that remain that way, it's like it makes sense and it's appropriate. And then the ones that are around them that change benefit from that for the better or that reveal more of themselves benefit from that for the better. Because it's like, yeah, there is this like this does exist in this in this kind of world. But also these other people with who are much more um, uh, complicated do exist as well. Right. So, yeah. yeah, one of the things that was most striking to me was the way they treated the the two the twins um so blair and sterling is that their names yeah 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 they are um how they've been shaped by like this culture in the sense that they absolutely accept that this is like the world they live in that god is real that you have to be a good christian but they've also found you know they also they don't necessarily have the sort of really i mean maybe part of this is just because it makes them more palatable to non-conservative audiences Mm. like you and me um but that they actually like they believe that climate change is real which kind of becomes a a discussion point and and i think it's in a lot of other ways have relatively progressive or or liberal views while also being in you know a household that probably is is very very conservative um and then also within that um that relationship itself i I can't can't remember who is who but one Uh, of them is blair is the brunette one and Sterling is the blonde one. So, right. So Blair is kind of more rebellious. Yeah. But one of the things they make really clear is that these things are all relative, and that both of them are still very religious, at least by my standards. That they're, you know, it's it's. I like that they sort of show these like kind of gradations where even Blair, like, there's like an episode that like really focuses on her trying to pray to God and, and things like that. And, and I just feel like there's a lot of like just shading that, that makes the show a lot more interesting than just, Oh, aren't these idiots in the South ridiculous? Yeah. yeah I think that's what it like. It's that they both have the same, they're both of their baseline is like at a different level, like on a, on a part of the sort of social political spectrum that you wouldn't expect from something like this, right? Like you expect them to be wildly opposite, but it's like, no, at core, they both believe these things and share those in common and that's just kind of true of everyone around them and mm-hmm. that's fine right and but again they do like because she's definitely the more rebellious like blair is definitely the more rebellious more i guess left-leaning in a lot of ways but she also has there's an episode where she goes hunting and like she's she's the best shot because she's really good at guns and like they do have a comfort and like a familiarity with guns that is again i think that at some points they mention that like you know they're bad and like people shouldn't have them for no reason but also there's the baseline is like oh no everyone has guns and you use them when you need them like for hunting and for sport or whatever like they're they're still probably second amendment proponents even though they you know so it's it i i think it's interesting that the the whole show maintains that throughout and then that that doesn't i think it's by design that that doesn't become a sticking point for any of it uh you know, and the, uh, there's there's some definitely some exceptions, and we can talk about those in spoilers. I think, right? Like, there's some big, but even those are treated not in the same way that you would treat them if you were coming at this from like a perspective that started where most like left liberal leaning stuff starts, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I mean to be clear, I think that it's not that the show is endorsing or necessarily no. soft pedaling it either it's i think it's, it's sort of just trying to to capture sort of a range of experience which again i mean i haven't spent a lot of time in the south so i can't say how accurate it is but it feels real in the sense that you get the complexity of real life yeah yeah for sure what did you yeah. think of the bounty hunting the bounty hunting is funny it's like a it's it's a lot less of the show than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, um, I was surprised. Yeah, I, and I'd say it becomes even less over time. Like it's just like kind of like a. It's almost just like okay, this is a reason that the show exists, right? But like, you could take it out and almost have the same show, basically, right? Like, yeah, it would just be like a lot less interest interesting in the sense of like being initially compelling, right? Of like having mm-hmm. a hook. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that said, like the Bowser character is fantastic, and I think his whole arc through the show is really good too. Uh, so I don't know how you would get that without the bounty hunting aspect. Uh, I do think 
the one of the other bounty hunters is Method Man. I yeah. Think he's, <laughs> he's, he's pretty good. I do think he's displays some of his weakness as an actor in this though. And <laughs> it might have been it might have been a better like a character better done by somebody who is maybe a little bit like at times he just stuck out as like, okay, well I mean one of these people is not a real actor. <laughs> the rest <laughs> seem like they are. I know he's oh, been in a lot of stuff, but he just doesn't come across as he comes across maybe as the most charactered, most hammy of all the people. And I know that's partially by, by design, but it also just feels like an a wee, odd fit with everything else. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that the method man stuff, at least the, the part that I've seen, he's not a huge part of the show, but um, he's sort of like just this comedic relief and otherwise, uh, yeah, I, I guess the one thing about, I mean, I, I agree that Bowser, I don't necessarily think that he's like a particularly deep or complicated character, but just the way that um, Kareem Hardison, the actor, performs him, he just is incredibly funny and incredibly just like cool to hang out with and and like the character that I'm just the happiest to Mm -hmm. see on screen. Um, It is this element, which I think is true for, um, this is going to be a weird comparison, but also true for Batman, where you just sort of, there's there's a question of like, why... Are you working with these children? That right. Seems like you have to accept that he's making a really, really bad decision to put these girls in danger on a fairly regular basis. But if you accept that, yeah. then he's like a cool character. Yeah, that's a problem throughout the show. And it's sort of a problem that all of the ones in this genre that I was kind of talking about before have. And it's like, and Weeds, it's kind of the reason that critics often get. Go, like to talk about when it sort of became really awful is because it's strained credulity. You're like, I don't understand. Like this woman is uh, uh, a drug dealer, married to drug dealer, but still like suburban. And like, why doesn't she just arrested at some point? Or like, what what's like, what's going on? Like the, your stupid little hook, your stupid little, like, what if this is just strange credulity at some point? And that's kind of what happens in this one is, him seeming like on all fronts to be a very reasonable person, but then going along with that part of it, um, like the only uh, sensible benefit is that they're pretty good bounty hunters. But, and I think as the show goes on, this becomes even more, it's like, I guess so. They they don't seem (laughs) to have like bounty hunting superpowers or anything, right? Like they're capable in some ways that you would imagine most everybody else could be capable like especially adults who are not in high school if you really wanted that i guess they're cheap too because they're yeah not full employees or whatever but like it is it is the one part that's kind of like all right given that and then everyone just has to say right given that this and right. then let's move and i think on. because it's a comedy you can go go along with it um yeah. more than if it was a serious drama um and just because yeah it's called teenage bounty hunters and you're kind of like okay i don't have to take this too seriously yeah. um do you have a favorite among the individual, what are they called? Uh, not bounties. Um, oh, the skips? Term. The skips, yeah. Is there, do you have a favorite skip? Oh, I don't Well, I don't remember most of the skips. I mean, the one that's their friend's dad is a serious one. And it also like is important throughout the story. Um, mm. But... Yeah, there's like, there's one that's a stripper, an exotic dancer, I guess. Did you see that yeah. episode? I did see that episode. That was oh, the yeah. last time I saw it. And yeah, that, yeah, was, yeah. that was really great. I thought that they, yeah, like the way they handle, there's like some surprises there that are I, that are well done. Yeah, yeah, that one's good. Yeah. And then there's like a, there's a DJ at one point and it's not really him because they, they barely show him, but the the actual uh, bounty hunting mission for that one is pretty funny. So, yeah, I like that one too. Yeah, I mean, I would say that some of the, like I said, I was surprised, first of all, just by the fact that there are episodes where, and this isn't even a complaint, more just a surprise, was that sometimes you would have this whole other story going on with the characters. And then at a certain point, maybe 10 minutes in, you'd be like, oh, right, we still haven't figured out what the bounty hunting plot of the episode is. And then right. Introduce it and you'd be like, okay, sure, that's fine, that's fine. Um, but the other 
this is maybe a little bit disappointing, although I liked where they went with it ultimately, or from what I've seen, is that in that opening scene of the first episode, when they first have the idea that maybe they could be bounty hunters, what's established is that one of them is a really great shot and one of them can run really quickly. Right, yeah. And as far as I, from what I've seen, like, that basically never, I, I thought, oh, this is like a setup, like, that, like, plot-wise that, like, okay, like, she's going to be this amazing sharpshooter, or that'll be a big plot point, you know, she's going to be, the, the, the other one's going to be really physical, and, like, like, getting in people's faces, and it felt like that's an idea that they had at, at a certain point, like, yeah, never mind, like, this is yeah. more fun if they're just, like, kind of interacting comedically with the different skips. Yeah, like, they, basically, those things are, aren't important, and then sometimes they just have, like, good ideas, and good sort of, like, plans then that's basically their contribution right but, yeah yeah um one other thing i would like to say that i like about the show is just the fact that just the relationship between the two sisters mm-hmm. i mean i think it can get a little a little sentimental but fundamentally it is yeah just really fun and i like that there's some believable tension but they never try to ratchet it up too much at least from, from in the early episodes there's no sense of like oh my God, maybe they'll never talk to each other again. Instead, it's just like, it just feels like this really believable family bond. And then they do this weird formal trick of they will cut to these very close uh, shots of their faces mm-hmm. as if they're having this really intense conversation. And it's, and, but it's sort of implied that it like happens in an instant. And so I guess my interpretation of that is just that they're um, essentially that they have this sort of like shorthand and they can understand each other so that they're probably like all this meaning is passing between them, but they don't have to actually say it out loud. Um, but it was a little confusing at first, but I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. They, that goes throughout and it is a, yeah, it's like a twin power effectively. So yeah, it's interesting, but it does like they make use of it in the, in the show. It's like not just a throwaway. It becomes mm-hmm. plot important later on so anything else we should talk about before we get into spoilers no i think that's it i mean it's like you know it's a good little 10 episode thing i think i think this is definitely one of those shows where i can see it getting into trouble as seasons roll on um yeah just for for some of the same reasons we talked about like they'd have to make some real interesting choices about like especially just like the bounty hunter subplot and like what is going on i although i guess they're like older right so like ostensibly you could you could see a future season where it's like well i mean they graduated high school like they could do what they want with their lives right but it it is one of those things where it's like you can't you can't see the the central conceit continuing and have everybody just like buy into it for a second season as an audience i think anyways Right. Well, I mean, it also makes me think about the fact that Netflix has kind of become notorious for canceling shows after three seasons. Not universally, but but that that seems to be if if you have a successful show, that's usually how long you'll run for, and then Netflix will cancel you. Yeah. yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is another three season show for Netflix. Um, I yeah, I would say it's it's a good show. I don't want to overstate how much I like it. I don't necessarily think it's like an amazing piece of art or something that I'm necessarily going to recommend to everyone I know, but I, I really, really enjoyed it way more than I was expecting. And, and, and it's just, yeah, just like a, a really fun show that I recommend. Yeah. Um, so let's move into spoilers. So if you have not watched the full season, uh, first season of teen bounty hunters and you don't want to know what happens next, you should stop listening now. Um, so Joe, you were saying that it kind of got a little lumpy towards the end. What did you mean by that? Well, I just felt like it was like, it felt like it was really uh, focused, like at the start and like I got everything and then it just seemed to kind of like wander around a bit, but um, it might have been just my attention span, but like, yeah, it, it, they, they started doing stuff where you're like, oh wow, like this is really, I didn't expect it to go to this place. I don't, there was no through line that i was really seeing and then they ended up doing like like basically the big crisis ends up coming almost out of nowhere right like they kind of hint at like there's something going on with the mother and there's some kind of like double life but it's more like it's more like crime dramas where 
they'll like say like oh yeah like they'll devote one line of each episode to like one day i'll catch that guy but it's like really each episode is about the case that they're working on that week you know and then like at the finale they'll bring back the guy like and be like oh it's remember still it's the main story and you're like what is it okay i guess so (laughs) right because that way you can watch the episodes out of order and yeah, yeah. probably wrote them without thinking about it and then we just added a line at yeah, the end of the season. Exactly. And this wasn't that bad and there is some like, especially with uh, uh, like when the, the wanted sign is on the poster and then like Bowser papers over it or whatever and you're like, what? Like, And I didn't even really, Tara was like, that's her mom. And I was like, is it? I don't think it is, but it was their mom, right? Yeah. Um, but so, I mean, the biggest spoiler is that in the end, it's not their mom. It's her twin sister, who is also a criminal. Uh, and then, yeah, she she kidnaps Sterling. And th- there's a whole thing about, like, well, you need to keep paying us money. Like, they were blackmailing them. Like, her sister and her sister's weird fundamentalist christian drug-addled boyfriend were blackmailing the mom and the the rich husband or whatever but then they ran out of money because the husband quit his job so ultimately they kidnapped him and then the very last reveal is not only is the mom actually a twin but the blair and um uh, sterling aren't twins because sterling is actually her mother's sister's daughter so they're both the twin the mother and her twin have one each respectively like the mother is actually blair's mom and then sterling is actually the daughter of the drug-addled twin sister so it's it's pretty wild right because it's like what like that it gets into almost like the telenovela territory of like what the hell's going on but uh but i think it's fine i don't know it's it, it's secondary again like this all that stuff is somewhat secondary to the character drama that's going on throughout the show and the biggest one being that that sterling is trying to come to grips with the fact that she's actually gay and like wait uh, oh you missed that part too yeah so she she realizes she's gay when she's like basically she uh goes to a debate competition which they call forensics is that some american thing I had not heard that. So they kept talking about forensics club and I'm like, what are you talking about? And then it's debate club is, is what it actually is. But the, they, they go to debate club and Sterling's broken up with the, the lovable Claude. What's his name? Who's actually really Uh, good. I like him. Luke. Luke. Yeah. And then, uh, so she's spending the whole debate thing, just making out with all of her debate partners because she realizes (laughs) like, Oh, I might as well, I'm free now. I can do, I can just kiss whoever I want. And so she's constantly making out with these guys. And then she like her and Blair have had a discussion previously about like, cause Blair is, has, is now having sex with miles, her boyfriend. And she's talking about like all the orgasms she's having basically. And then, Sterling is like, I haven't had that. And then, so at the end of that episode, she basically uh, masturbates and then finds out like what she wants to think about is her friend or her rival. And oh, okay. So then, and then she like confesses her love to the rival girl. And that girl turns out to also be a lesbian. And I should Whoa. say actually, so Sterling is is not decided but she's she knows that she likes that girl and she also knows that she she thinks she likes guys as well right so that, that's not fair to say she's a lesbian but then the the other one is definitely a lesbian and says that and then like they have a thing and it's actually really nice like they have a good love story going on um and sterling wants to like come out to everybody and the other one is like absolutely not like this, that will not go over well here right and they go back and forth and eventually she's convinced her to do it at a lock-in. Like there's a, they like have a sleepover at the school and they actually make a really good joke, but like the teacher, I forget how she's been in stuff, but the, the one who plays their teacher is like, Oh great. Like some of the parents were like worried that something sexual would happen here, but like why would anything sexual happen here at this sleepover with all these teens? And then the, it shows them all playing like twister and stuff and just being like <laughs> <laughs> huge smiles on their faces. Uh, but 
so they they had a they had made a plan to like sleep next to each other there and like hold hands and like make it clear to everybody and then she finds her with Luke doing that basically and it's like horrible it's like a heartbreaking betrayal right because it's not only uh, the her lo- Sterling's love interest but it's also Luke right so right. Anyways, they she she chases her out and has and like says like I can't do it like there's no way and the and the main reason is that her husband or her father he's one of the skips and that was his crime like he not only solicited a prostitute but then beat her up and then they busted him for it but he's now been let out of jail and with no consequence so clearly he had some kind of connections but she, she realizes when her dad comes home that she could never come out to her dad like he would never accept it and so she Um, goes back on kind of like her plan to to go public with this and so sterling's brokenhearted and then like meanwhile blair and miles first break up because blair's never around uh because she's she does one of the it's actually a really good scene where she's like running back and forth but with um uh oh my goodness running back and forth with uh the bounty hunter bowser yeah bowser. Uh, and miles like doing the classic like i have to be in two places at one time thing and because she's trying to help him with the skip and uh miles breaks up with her because she's just like not par- present enough effectively but then eventually she goes to miles house to like make up with him like she's just like okay like it's dumb and miles is with his parents and then uh she breaks in and does like this dramatic confession of like, Oh, I love you. Blah, blah, blah. And miles, parents are like, miles, who is this? And then she's like, Oh my God, her, she, he didn't tell her his parents about me. So she's like, he's a bad guy after all. So she breaks up with him and yeah. So everybody ends heartbroken, but they also end Aww. after this like dramatic hostage standoff in a trailer park with, uh, the new mom. Who's not the mom, which is, pretty wild right so that feels like a lot for another five more episodes for me to get through although it's also funny how like essentially none of the the skips or bounty hunting have have much to do with that except to distract and pull them away from yeah the relationship stuff yeah there, there's really not that much after that uh like there's one more skip i think and that's the dj guy and like uh it's that's basically just a premise for bowser and terrence to then match up because the other story and i like bowser finds out that terrence who's played by method man is in a relationship with uh uh the bail bonds woman oh yolanda yolanda who is like his love interest and so that's kind of like dramatic and painful as well so he's in it a lot more which is like where more of the like okay like you're just not in the class of actors. All the rest <laughs> okay, of these people. Fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know. They, but there is funny scenes where like, and Bowser shows himself to be very human. Like he basically becomes a surrogate father for the girls because they trust him more than they trust their parents because they've like found out that their parents are lying to them. Although they think. They think the mother is the one who's the criminal because they went back and visited her hometown and found out all this stuff about her. Um, so that's why the reveal at the end is... And the reveal at the end is genuinely surprising. Like, as much as it's, like, a cheap trick to play, like, they do a whole scene where uh, Sterling... No, sorry. Blair has gone home and is talking to the dad about, like, her problems with Miles and Miles is consoling her. And meanwhile, they're cutting back and forth between Sterling getting picked up at school by her mother looking, their mother looking like, um, she's got no makeup. It looked like she was about to skip town, but then she decides to go pick up her daughter instead. And you're like, oh, that's nice. Like she, she had a change of heart or whatever. Right. And then eventually they, the Sterling's on the phone with Blair and, uh, or no, I think she's just texted her that like, oh, I'm with mom or whatever. And Blair's like, mom. And and looks over and they cut to the moms in the in the room with her right and they're like oh shit and then she she knows what's going on obviously and yeah it's uh it's a lot there's a lot of like just totally wild plot wise stuff that goes on towards the second half but also I mean that's what I was talking about with the the way the southern stuff is a bit challenged in that they do have like oh yeah this girl's a lesbian and she's in this very conservative environment right but 
they still kind of treat it that way where it's like this is something that's okay and there are different parts of the community that it would be okay with it wouldn't be okay with it would definitely be a challenge but then there's like a there's a hard line of like but you know for for this certain category or group or class like it would just not be okay no matter what right so it's uh yeah this doesn't have much to do with the quality of the show but parenthetically i um I did. I did not know about the the who was the who was whose mother, but I did know about the twin thing because if you look up the show on Wikipedia and you just look at the cast list, yeah. the the actress who plays the mom, it says whoever the mo- whatever the mom's name is, comma and blank her twin sister. Oh, that's awful. But and I was yeah. just like, what? Why would you do that? <laughs> I mean, I understand it. Like in the plot section of the Wikipedia entry, you don't read that unless you want to get spoiled. But yeah. for like the cast list you should be able to read that without getting see they don't do that on imdb imdb respects the art (laughs) i did oh i also wanted to mention that i one thing i was really impressed by was that scene where she breaks up with luke um yeah yeah that was a good scene yeah and it was hard because luke is kind of a joke the entire time yeah he's like a very ridiculous person who just seems like this giant lunkhead goofball um, and that scene, he's still a giant lunkhead goofball, but you can tell he's genuinely really, really, really upset by being dumped. Yeah. And uh, I was just, yeah, so impressed by how they did it that I was, I felt really bad for him. I know. And I think that that continues for his character throughout. Like he all, he does still continue to be funny and mostly the butt of jokes, but he's also like just damaged in a really sad way after that throughout that like is genuinely moving right it's like oh like that really sucked and he's not really he's still got lots of scar tissue from it and he's not gonna get over it and then they have some nice moments again too around the like you know the new the new potential relationships for him and yeah but she doesn't tell him nobody knows that that she's gay in the end right like because she's not told him and nobody else has let that slip either which i definitely thought was gonna be a plot point at some point but maybe they're saving it for next season yeah so you're ready for season two they definitely left it like okay this is like it's a foregone conclusion there'll be a season two because it literally like closed on the like so the twin power thing came in because there's a moment where blair is trapped in a trailer and uh, the, she's behind a wind like she can't speak out to the thing and sterling shows up and they she conveys all the information she needs to about who has a gun and whatever and then bowser's like how do you know all that and she's like oh it's a twin thing right and and then the and it, which is, ends up being funny because they're not twins right but the uh the mother's oh my God, yeah i hadn't thought of that yeah yeah but the mothers have it right at the very end too because it ends up with the mother like holding her who what ends up being her own daughter at gunpoint to like with her sister there like that's the standoff and then her mother and her sister have the same thing and it's a debate about whether or not she's gonna tell her something and it turns out to be that she tells her that she's the daughter right and then that's like the end then they close on that so nothing's resolved with like they 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 tell the parents like oh yeah by the way bowser is a bounty hunter and whatever but the parents are just kind of like on board because they're in the moment of like the parents also ran away from the cops because they were in their house being questioned by the cops because they had reported their daughter missing the cops were like so like she was only missing an hour ago and they're like yeah and she was picked up in your vehicle and they're like yeah by her (laughs) aunt and they're like yeah and she's like so she's dangerous and they're like yes yeah we just know she's a bad influence but they're like trying i guess out of familial love like they don't want the the sister to get in trouble but also they they need to call the police because their daughter's in danger so it's very weird but then so the cops are just there and they're like oh we're gonna go talk in the other room and then they just run out and run to where bowser and them have figured out through like a series of and this is another moment where you're like oh i get it kind of why they're bounty hunters because like um sterling figures out this this elaborate system of like leaving some snacks and like overcharging her credit card to like give them a clue about where she is so uh 
that was like, oh yeah, I remember now, right? They're supposed to have special skills or just like natural abilities. But so yeah, so they tell them the whole thing. There's all kinds of things that are just left wildly untidied and messy at the end of the, the show. So it's obvious they're aiming for a second season or have already been promised a second season or whatever. Right. Although presumably, I'm pretty sure they have not actually shot the second season. No. So we'll yeah. see when that actually happens. Because yeah. this seems like a show that you have to actually shoot on location you couldn't just do it in a studio oh yeah for sure for sure um any final thoughts about teenage bounty hunters uh no i mean i yeah it's 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 a different show at the beginning than it seems to be even or a different show at the ending than it seems to be at the beginning for sure uh and then it's a different show than you would i think assume that it would be than most people would assume that it'd be just by like quick glancing or browsing around so it's it's it has it wears a lot of identities and it's and it's i don't know sometimes i think it struggles with jumping between those but overall i think it's actually really good and and i think the character stories are very compelling and i think the characters are well acted and also well written so i think that's what saves it even even as it does go totally crazy with the uh, uh plot stuff all right, well, check out Teenage Bounty Hunters if you haven't already. Um, you can also let us know what you think by emailing us at originalcontent at techcrunch.com. You can follow us on Twitter at originalcontent. You can also subscribe and leave us a positive review in Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. Thank you for listening, and Daryl, I will talk to you soon. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.